This is a podcast of stories where we will meet people we can learn from, people who will challenge us, people who will inspire us, people who will teach us the joy of living, people who will teach us how to truly live and experience life to the fullest. So join us on this journey where we will collectively learn to live through our stories. Welcome, my name is Brent Wolf, and I have the pleasure of being your host for this podcast in our brand new series called Our Stories. I serve as the Executive Director for the American Therapeutic Recreation Association, and I'm also an Associate Professor at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. Tonight, I am joined by a very good friend of mine who I can't wait for y'all to hear from. His name is Jeremy Maddox. Jeremy, you want to go ahead and uh, kind of introduce yourself to folks and uh, tell people about who you are? Oh, who am I? That, that's a deep question, Brent. <clears throat> um, but first, I'd like to thank you for having me on tonight. Um, your Atra is a great organization. Uh, luckily, I'm able to be a part of that also. You know, I'm a 40-year-old, uh, single male, like long walks on the beach, not a cat person. But uh, I guess my background is, is uh, I'm a T4 paraplegic, got hurt when I was uh, 16 years old, uh, racing motorcycles, uh, motocross, and broke my back, became a paraplegic. Uh, since then, I've kind of done a lot of just random weird stuff throughout my life and led to a lot of cool stories, met a lot of great people along the way, made a lot of great relationships. And uh, yeah, here I am today. There's a lot of blanks in there to fill in. So <laughs> let's start off with start off with this. You know, we're, we want to hear about stories, kind of uh, learn from people's stories and that kind of thing. Um, you mentioned at the beginning that uh, you've done a lot of weird things, that kind of stuff. What's, what's something weird that you've done? In my 20s, I, uh, I did a lot of uh, wheelchair sports. You know, I was one of the top 10 uh, U.S. and got to travel around as a sponsored athlete, probably at least two to three, maybe four weekends a month, doing 10Ks all across the U.S. And um, I had a really bad habit. Even though they would pay for it, I oftentimes wouldn't book lodging in cool, cool areas. And um, I just made it a goal to meet some random family that would just like let me stay at their house. Um, and so that was always like my like goal is to get there, meet some cool people and talk to them and let me stay at their house and just hang out with their family for the night. And it happened all the time. You'd be amazed. Um, I always, you know, would get a hotel room backup plan, but <clears throat> initially that was always my, my go-to weird thing is find a random family and just go stay with them. That's awesome. What what on earth led you to want to try and do that? <laughs> so the first time it happened, I was in uh, Wilmington, um, North Carolina. I was up there doing a surf event, and uh, one of the surfing mags was taking some photos of us. And uh, someone was supposed to be there for the afternoon, and the photo shoot ran long, and uh, we were just having fun surfing. And I met this family there surfing, and uh, there was two sons, Chris and Chris was a uh, PT and his little brother, I can't remember his little brother's name, I think it was Nick, he um, was a professional ballet dancer in New York, and they were both there surfing, I met them, and their dad was a doctor, and he had like this big, huge house on the end of the point, and uh, they're like, hey man, you should come stay with us, and I ended up staying there for two or three days, and then every, you know, six, seven, eight months, I would go back up there and just stay with them, and that kind of kicked it off uh, in my mind, like, man, I just met some random people, let me stay at their house, <clears throat> but staying at somebody's house it's um you know sitting down at their dinner table making dinner with them and having those intimate conversations 
um, with total strangers is always just so interesting. Because um, not only do you find things out about them, but you find out things about yourself too. Um, and just being able to sit in a stranger's house and just talk about life and stories and the things you've done, um, it, it's very impactful in both directions to the other person and yourself. I, I imagine that, you know, you get the chance to, to learn so much through doing that. And I mean, that just sounds like, I, I don't know that I could ever do that just with my personality, but like, you know, having that, that, that freedom, that ability to just go out and connect with somebody and then kind of hang out with them, the things that you could learn from them. Now, I, I could didn't I meet, you didn't see. Come crash at your house. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I'm much more the, the come stay on my couch rather than can I come stay on your couch kind of thing. <laughs> no. no, that's really funny. No, but it's funny. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed. I got a, a, a nice home and I have an in-law suite downstairs and it's full, you know, a full, full basement downstairs and uh, finishing everything. And I literally was talking with somebody the other day and I don't think there's been just maybe a few months here and there in like the four or five, you know, gosh, I guess six years I've lived here that I haven't had some random family living with me. Um, as soon as somebody moves out, somebody, you know, just comes up in need of needing a place to stay while they're transitioning or something happened or this, that, another. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Come stay here. Um, so I don't have any kids. So I always get to play with other people's kids, you know, and it's really great because they start acting up or you get tired of playing with them. You just send them downstairs. I've had enough time to go be with your parents. <laughs> Let them take care of you. <laughs> it's, it's like a rental program. You know, I just rent the kid for a little while and send them back when I'm done. You do all of this stuff. You started off, you know, uh, why do you add on to your house? Why do you put the time into that kind of stuff? What is it that makes you want to have people come and like random people come and live with you? Why do you do all that? Man, if you ever like, I don't know if you're very religious or listeners are religious. If you are or aren't, it doesn't really matter. But if you ever take time to sit down and, and look through a lot of the stories in the Bible, anytime there's a, a really big event that took place or something important, um, it usually happened over breaking bread. You know, Jesus, whoever else would invite people in and have a meal with them and sit down. And to me, there's something about that to be said, <clears throat> to invite people into your home or just anywhere and just feed them and have conversation. Because um, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in life is life is not about me. It's about other people. Um, and, you know, you look at some of the biggest things in our society today, it's depression, and a lot of issues tied to that. And a lot of depression is based off, you know, turning inward and isolation. Um, and when you get away from that and you're focused on other people versus yourself, and, and I'm not taking mental disorders or anything like that into consideration here. I'm just saying, you know, the typical stuff, you know, when you focus on other people, your problems start to get a lot smaller. Um, and I really realized that um, back in 98, um, actually when I got injured, you know, I got injured, I'm 16, turning 17 in the hospital, and I'm at a wonderful rehab facility in Atlanta, Georgia, called the Shepherd Center. <clears throat> it's one of the top 10 rehabs in the U.S., um, the leading SCI rehab and research hospital in the U.S., but I'm laying there in bed, you know, I've got a broke back, I'm all beat up, and these people come to visit you, and they're depressing. Like, I'm in the hospital, you're supposed to come cheer me up, but these people are just horrible they're like oh my god your life is over you can't walk you might as well just put them out of pasture and shoot them like on yellow or something you know like come on you know and so I started realizing that I could turn the table and I could start making these people laugh or just have a good time 
And I think that kind of started spinning in my head over the years as I got older and matured that I had the ability to change other people's lives for the better just by being positive and having conversations with people. You know, anywhere I go, I'm going to have a conversation with whoever stop and listen for a minute because you never know whose life you're going to impact. Um, some of the craziest things about being in a wheelchair is that if you smile and you're happy and you're just getting groceries, people are like, oh, you're such an inspiration. I'm like, oh, I'm just getting groceries, you know, like, so are you. It's really inspirational. I got macaroni and cheese tonight. Um, so you never know, man, in life, um, who you're touching and impacting uh, just by day-to-day -day life that you come in contact with. And uh, that's just kind of how I've tried to live my life for the past few years, you know, just go out there and be positive and be happy and uh, just see what happens. Would you say that is your personality, that you're just going to find the good in things, or do you have to work to make that happen? Um, a lot of it is my personality, but a lot of it is choice, you know. Um, it's like a coin, you know, no matter what happens in life, you always have a choice to be happy, be sad, you know, be positive, be negative in any situation. Um, but I do think a lot of it came from my parents. You know, I grew up in a small town. My dad has a hardware and feed and seed and auto parts store. So I spent a lot of time there um, as a youth um, working in my dad's store, you know, sweeping floors and hanging out. But as you can imagine, a small town hardware store, people just come in there and hang out. Um, so I really developed the ability to just talk to strangers because that's just what you did. Um, so I do play a big part of that to that probably. Um, and just my parents, what they brought me up. And my parents are just some of the guys are salt of the earth people. Um, I'm probably one of the most blessed people as far as parents go. I mean, my mom still cooks like a freaking uh, Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner every Sunday for lunch. I mean, she could feed a mob every Sunday. And that's just, that's her... <laughs> that sort of gift in my man she loves to serve people you know so i just love it yeah that's that's awesome what and, 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 you know you may have alluded to this but can you share with us a little bit about some experiences that have really brought you joy that have just made you particularly and i don't want to use the word happy because i think there's a difference between happy and joy but like some experiences that really just have brought joy to you as a person Oh, man, something that really made me happy um, was winning my first gold medal. You know, I was in Europe, and uh, I won gold in Trick Solomon Jump with the U.S. team um, water skiing in Italy. And um, one of the coolest things about that, winning gold was really cool, but one of the most kind of touching things was I got invited to represent the country during the opening ceremonies. And so um, it, the place we were, I think, was, it was in Milan. It was actually designed as an old World War II um, landing area for watercraft, for water aircraft, I believe. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. I might be making it up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> don't worry. Nobody, nobody's going to listen. <laughs> yeah, or it was something else. Anyway, it was used as like a, a World War II military staging area for uh water-based aircraft and um they turned into like a big stadium and everything but uh the platform like floated out in the middle and i'll never remember man i'm carrying this big flag and it was actually a lot of work to carry this flag because not only you're pushing and holding this flag but the wind was blowing and the flag was a lot mm -hmm. bigger than i had pictured in my head but um as you got on the stage and you turn you're facing all these people and they start playing you know your country's national anthem and hosting the other flag up on the flagpole. 
um, that was pretty awesome because it was a lot of hard work and dedication and a lot of early morning ski sessions and a lot of after work ski sessions. Um, Cause unlike other countries, like we don't get paid really to be a disabled mm -hmm. athlete here. So I was still, you know, I was getting up going skiing in the morning, working and then going back and skiing after work a lot of days. And, uh, and to be there and, and be somebody who represented my country as a top tier athlete and being one of the best people in the world at something I was doing, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, and then after that, you know, it led to a lot of, a lot of opportunities and doors open to be able to speak and talk to people and have a lot more credibility um, and use that as an example when you're talking to some young guy that, you know, because I do a lot of peer mentoring um, at Shepherd Center and um, I just launched a nas national wide campaign on my company um, called Navigator. And what we do is we provide peer support and guidance for anybody with a spinal cord injury uh, that uses our services totally free, um, no sales based stuff under anything. And just getting to connect with these people. And I start telling some of these stories and accomplishments I've had in life. And they just don't understand how. They're like, what? You do what? And you start telling you fly airplanes and scuba dive and I bell hay and bush hog and use a chainsaw <laughs> and split wood. And they're like, what? The peer mentoring piece. You know, I, I, I've known that you do some peer mentoring. And, and frankly, I haven't had a chance to actually kind of watch you do some of that um, in some different situations. Um, what is it, you know, what is it about that experience that is fulfilling to you? Like that, that peer mentoring piece, you mentioned it's something you've done. You do it as part of your company. Now, what is it about that? That's so fulfilling for you? Cause you get to take somebody who's went through a catastrophic injury. Um, somebody whose life is flipped upside down. Um, oftentimes they, they don't see any more light at the end of the tunnel. Um, they feel like they won't be able to do anything they enjoy or they love doing. Um, and you get to sit there and spend some time with them and talk to things that talk to them about things that they're interested in that you may have interest in also, and just share with them how you do things that they can do it again too. And that's also one of the reasons why I love rec therapy. Um, you know, cause physical therapy and occupational therapy are, are very, very important. They're a central hub in rehabilitation, but they teach you livable skills, not why to live. And to me, rec therapy and atria is why you live, mm. not how you live. Um, and so I get to share with these people all the things that I've done, um, you know, and it's always interesting when it comes around to sex talk, you know, people are just like, <laughs> some of them shy toward it, some ask it first, but that's always one of the more interesting conversations, you know, but, um, <clears throat> but just going out and just, whether it's hunting, fishing, recreational sports, gardening, cooking, um, I love to cook, love to have people over, you know, I think my last birthday I did, you know, hibachi for about 40 people outside here. Um, it, it's just being around people. And being able to sit and talk with someone who's went through one of those injuries and went through that experience who doesn't really see the good that they can still do or the fun or fulfilling life they can have and be able to explain them. Yeah, you can have a fulfilling life. You can still drive a car. I mean, a lot of people, when they get hurt, they don't even think they can drive anymore. I'm like, dude, you can drive some, you can still drive some really fun, fast cars. I've got a couple, you know, you can still be stupid. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you know this or a lot of your listeners know this, but you know, I was driving a car for Richard Petty up until last year. Um, I had an accident going about 80-something miles an hour and uh, T-bone somebody sitting still um, that rolled up into my trajectory of path uh, in my lane and uh, cracked my sternum, broke some ribs, and so I was down for about six weeks. And then right after that, I was in the airport in West Palm Beach, 
And uh, a lady walked out in front of me as I was going down the ramp and I was going pretty fast and I had some stuff in my lap I was holding and she just clipped my front caster with her foot somehow and just spun me. And, you know, I've been in a chair for 24 years. My math is probably off on that. Um, don't quote me, give or take five years. <clears throat> um, but, uh, you know, I've been in a chair for 24 years. I've never fell sideways moving. And so, you know, my first instinct was like, lean my head over. Don't want to hit injury, you know, don't want to add a TV out of my list of stuff. <clears throat> and, you know, don't break any wrists. I took the wrists in, you know, I'm holding stuff in my lap too. And so I'm trying to take this blunt of this, you know, fall on my shoulder. I wasn't even close to landing on my shoulder, man. I came right down on my hip and uh, impact fractured and broke my femur right at the hip, uh, right at the head of the joint or right at the uh, ball of the femur. You know, I had surgery, hardware got infected, two more surgeries, 14 days in the hospital, pick line, wound back. Uh, you know, three months later, I'm finally back to health. So I don't know if I'm be doing a whole more race, a lot more racing this year or not. Um, we'll see, but I got to well, get a little bit better yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I want to, I want to jump on something there because, you know, you talk about a car accident with broken bones. You talk about getting knocked out of your wheelchair in the airport and more broken bones and everything that has gone along with that. Yet you told that whole story smiling with a positive attitude where like how do you find that like those dark moments how do you and, how do you find the joy in them i'll tell you man well there's multiple aspects to that joy <clears throat> um <clears throat> probably one of the hardest things i've done in my life was dealing with this injury and going septic um i went septic twice to the point um one time you know we we're trying to get emergency surgery performed and you know i'm i'm to the best of my ability trying to type on my phone um just a few notes to people because i i didn't know if i was going to make it um it was it was that bad uh and it was it was even hard to like cognitively type on my phone you know and make notes uh, for my family and friends and loved ones but um being in the hospital i'm a very independent person um you know, I like to be served like everybody does to an extent, but I'm very independent. And um, being there in the hospital was hard because I'm confined to bed, can't really move. And having to ask a nurse to bring me water mm. or, you know, hey, go empty this pee out was just like, oh, I mean, it just cringed me, you know. And so you asked my joy. So my joy, man, um, and I'll come back to the story about that, too. But a lot of my joy, I'm my joy comes from Christ, man. Um, I don't know if people for me or the Bible or not, but you know, there's like this story that they talk about, you know, you can be in a hurricane, man, but if you're sitting in the center of that hurricane, it's calm and quiet inside the hurricane in the center and everything can be crazy around you. But if you have something bigger than you and you're anchored in something bigger than you, uh, it's harder to move you. Um, and I'm anchored in something bigger than me. <clears throat> I'm anchored in my creator. But so when I'm in the hospital, um, my nurses, man, I always felt so bad. Like I was, I, dude, I, I spent so much damn money uh, in the hospital. I door dashed like every meal, but when I was, I was like door dashing the nurses food too. Like I was ordering, you know, hundred dollar meals every day or $200 meals and feeding half the floor. Like they loved me, but <clears throat> I met some of the most wonderful people in there. And, uh, you'd be surprised at the great conversations you can have with somebody who's working the night shift. 
um, at Piedmont Hospital at two or three in the morning because you don't sleep. Um, I remember after my first surgery, the doctor walked in and it was like 6 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. And I'm on a conference call with some people in Germany. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm on a work call. Give me like two minutes, doc. Hold on. He's like, hold on. I'm like, yeah, I'm on a work call. Hold on, sir. Like, let me, let me get us a Zoom call real quick. He's like, who are you? You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I can, I, I can see that playing out in my head, just like, just like it would have happened. I, I you know, it just, it fits right in the, right as I, I'm, I'm seeing it in my mind right now. So, yeah. Oh gosh. Well, that's, you know, I think that's the, the idea that, you know, how do we, we all have dark moments. We all have these moments and it may not be going septic. It may not be broken bones. It may not be being in the hospital, but we all have some dark moments and, and, and trying to navigate those. And, and the, the way that we approach those, I think is, is, is challenging at times, especially, you know, now with everything that's going on, it's just crazy times. Um, is, you know, is there advice or thoughts or recommendations that you have on, you know, how do we, how do we live life to the fullest every day? How do we do it? How do you do it? How do we do it? I think a lot of people, including myself, um, often struggle in times when things are taken away whether it be your independence, your freedom. I mean, look at COVID, man. Look how much it's taken away from so many people. Um, whether it be emotionally, family, uh, being able to be free and go do what you want to do, or mm -hmm. if it's financial. I mean, there's, there's so many people been hit and hurt with loss of family members, so many things. Um, so I think a lot of it is learning how to deal with loss. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we, we do suffer loss. Everybody loses something in life. But you also have to look at the good things that you do have or the good things that you had when you had that before you lost it, you know. Am I going to focus on the fact that I lost, you know, my father? Or am I going to think about, you know, the 40-something years of good times I had? Look, they have my father still. But am I, or am I going to focus on the 40 years of the good memories that I had with him and rejoice the fact that, you know, that I had such a good dad and I'll, I'll be sorrowful and I'll miss him. But, you know, even though I've lost him or I will lose him one day, he'll always live on. You know, and it goes back to a lot of this peer support stuff. Um, the people I peer support, I can usually tell the first or second time I meet with them how successful they're going to be in life, um, dealing with everything based on their attitude. <laughs> you know, you can tell a lot by person by their attitude. Um, are they are they okay dealing with stuff? Do they have the capability and the mental capacity to to look past the current situation of the future or the past. You know, can they deal with bad times to still find something positive in it and they can move on. Um, and so that's the big thing I try to tell people, especially dealing with spinal cord injuries is, you know, <clears throat> yeah, life's going to suck at times. You know, you're going to have bad days. You're going to just sometimes break down and cry. But you know what? It's okay to cry. Just don't stay there. You know, we all have bad stuff happen. And it's okay to mourn or be sad, but you just can't spend too much time in that situation. You know, there's a big difference between mourning and going into depression about something. Um, and you got to learn how to transition out of that morning stage back into life and finding a reason to move forward. Did you know we're on social media? That's right. You can stay up to date on all things Atra on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and even Pinterest. Give us a follow at Atra in Action to stay in the know. Seriously, you don't want to miss out on this.
Michaela, your Access Aftra coordinator, which is the new name for our quarterly Aftra newsletter. Access Aftra will be available to Aftra members on the online learning platform in 2022. Get your content submitted and be sure to check it out. So I want to go back to something else you said here a, a minute ago, kind of changing topics just a little bit. How on earth did you start driving for Richard Petty? Um, <clears throat> so I randomly sit on a couple of boards of hospitals and organizations in the U.S. Um, <clears throat> and I went up there with a friend uh, to meet the CEO he had some questions and he just wanted to pick my brain. I didn't know the dude. I never been. I didn't. I never heard of the place. <clears throat> I get there, and um, this place was literally Disneyland for kids <laughs> with disabilities. I mean, manicured grass, buildings in the shapes of cars. Um, so Adam Petty had passed away um, in a car accident racing, <clears throat> and I, the year escapes me at the moment. But um, when Adam was racing, his big passion whenever he traveled to new tracks or wherever else is he'd always go to places like Ronald McDonald House or Choa, the burn units, and he would spend time with kids. You know, that was his thing. Um, he loved to travel and, and go spend time with kids to just cheer them up and just hang out with him or hang out with them. And uh, so in his honor, they built this huge facility up in uh, North Carolina. And what they do there is, I think it's about $2,400, $2,500 for a kid to go there for three or four days for camp. Um, they have like a top tier level, whatever, helicopter pad, crazy ICU bed, hospital that even the county sometimes uses. I mean, it's fully stocked with everything you can think of. But all these organizations like McDonald's built the pool, uh, Best Western built the, the lodging, Walmart built the admin building and they all look like those type of buildings, you know, right. with their different themes in it. And it's just a really cool place. And so I'm sitting there and, you know, I have a problem with not holding my tongue when people ask me questions, <laughs> which can be good and bad. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the CEO and the board and they're like, well, what do you think of our organization? And I'm like, I've never heard of your organization before today. And this is my life. Like I spend time with these people. These are my people. And I've never heard of y'all. And they're like, well, why have you never heard of us? Like, because you got a crappy marketing team. Like, you, <laughs> like, you're selling kids and candy here. It's not hard to sell spots here. <clears throat> People will, like, give you money. Like, you're like a little puppy dog here. People give you free money and kids want to come here, but you can't even fill your camp up all the time. And so they're just they're looking at me like blank stares. Right. And, uh, and so that led to, you know, meeting Richard and the guy, another guy that was, I was driving on his team. Uh, they're like, Hey, you just want to drive a car and represent our organization and raise some awareness for us. I was like, sure, let's go. <clears throat> so we fully adapted a race car with hand controls, um, had a, had a linear thrust bearing on the steering column that allowed you to actually push the steering wheel in for brake and uh, the throttle on the hand uh, clutch system, pneumatic pneumatic shifters all this crazy fun stuff and uh, it was it was a lot of fun i really love it um and i'll probably get back into it in the next year or so but i've, I've just got to get healed up right now first yeah my body's first priority and yeah i'm getting old a lot it's got to last coming. you a little while longer yeah I'm, but i'm going to use it up for it's over with though <laughs>
Yeah, I, I have no doubt of that at all. Yeah, it's, it's so awesome just kind of have that, you know, the randomness of, you know, being on a board that leads to meeting somebody that leads you to meeting Richard Petty that gets you driving an adaptive race car and figuring out what that looks yeah. like and how that works. But you'd be amazed. You go to a race car track and you pull up somewhere you've never been. And we had a big hauler. Like, we rolled up. People knew we rolled up. <clears throat> like, you know, they gave us we, – we had nothing second tier. Let's just say that. And because uh, <clears throat> I was on a team with two other drivers, and so we had three cars and one big trailer. And uh, but we would pull up, and people like see me in my race, they're like, Are you driving? And I'm like, Yeah. And and dude, everybody's sort of like, Come see the car and want to come talk to you about it. And so it just opened up doors to have more relationships, you know. Mm. And I think that's one of my biggest things I just keep preaching on that I feel like I keep going back to is relationships and just meeting people and just having those conversations because um, you just never know man what somebody else is going through and just having a conversation with them about just random stuff how you can impact their day mm-hmm. yeah um, well you said something to me actually when like when we first met years ago you know we, we were just casual conversation and you made about a your long hair <laughs> i didn't have hair at that point in time uh, all right <laughs> I was, I was, I was dead bald at that point, but uh, you made a comment that you said, you know, that, that everybody's got baggage. Everybody's got their issues. And you said, you know, people who use wheelchairs, we just can't put our, one of our issues in the closet and leave it there. It follows us and it goes around with us and people that don't, I, I, I can hide some of my stuff, but when you can't, that seems to open some doors when you have a really positive perspective on it. It really does, you know. But if you bring that up, man, and, and you're the first one to talk about it or open open the conversation up, it just pours out. And this is totally off subject. But I'm just saying, as we get older, we can have these more mature conversations about things without judging people because we just don't care and I don't have any shame. And it didn't happen to me, but it happened to a close family member of mine. And so, you know, sometimes it just comes up or people you're dating or hanging out with comes up. But yeah, there's a lot of crap that happens to a lot of people in life, man. Um, but they're able to just bury it. And sometimes they get that opportunity to just vomit it up and they just want to vomit it. They want to get it out. Mm. Um, they just want to talk about it and have somebody relate to, or even just listen to them um, without feeling that shame or weird, weird stuff going on. You know, and you got some guy in a wheelchair. He's, you know, I don't even know if he can drive or what he does. You know, he's in a wheelchair. He's paralyzed. I can just tell him anything. So I think people think I'm a priest or something. Also, me and like levy their sins out. But, uh, you know, people automatically, because you're in a chair, tend to be less on guard and more open and vulnerable in conversation for some weird reason. So um, being in a chair is a really great conversational tool. You can just go out, man, random people buy you dinner, or buy you drinks or whatever else. Just because you're in a chair, you're like, I appreciate it, you know? Yeah. This is kind of a, a legacy type of question. And I think it's, you know, again, this is a podcast series on what does it mean to live? What does it mean to like really live life to the fullest? Um, and you talked about getting older and starting to, you know, have, uh, you can have more mature conversations, be more open, be more reflective. Um, how do you want to be remembered? Like, what is it that you want people to remember about Jeremy Maddox? Like when they say your name, what do you want them to think? What do you want them to have come to mind? And you know, it's funny you say that, um, that question could lead down multiple paths, mm-hmm. But I think at this point in my life, man, I want to be remembered as somebody similar to my father. Hmm. Um, no matter who I talk to, 
man, the, the praises I get about my dad, how amazing a person he is or how he helps somebody out or did this for them, did this for that. Um, that's all I ever hear about my dad when you're out in the community or meet people. Um, they only talk about how he impacted their life or something he did for them um, or whatever else. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. That's a really tough question, Brent. Um, I just want to be somebody that just provides positive results for other people's lives. Like, I just want to improve some, I just want to improve people's lives and make them live a better, more full, more fulfilling life than they realized they could initially. Hmm. Um, I just want to be a stepping stone for people to reach greatness. You know, my name's not important, but their names are. And I'm cool being a stepping stone and being in the background and just being a part of their, their life along the way. Um, well, I can tell you that, like, uh, you know, my daughters, when I told them I was doing this, they were like, you know, you have made an impression on them. That is for sure. So they are wondering where Mr. Jeremy is. And just for the people in this podcast. Okay. Brent, first off, he outkicked his coverage. His wife is beautiful and so sweet. And I don't know why she's married to him, but she is. Me either. Um, she's an amazing lady, but his daughters are two of the sweetest little girls you've ever met in your life. Not only are they intelligent and beautiful, they're so respectful, smart, like, yeah, like, you can tell a lot about a person by spending time with their children. And if you spent time with his children, you would know the value of Dr. Wolf and who yeah. he is as a man. I'll say that. Well, uh, wow. Uh, thank you. Uh, that, that means a lot. Uh, that is that is huge. That means a ton. So um, they, uh, they, they do miss you. And I'll, I'll never forget times when you came <laughs> over to our house and you'd be coming in late and they'd be sitting on the couch right at the window <laughs> looking wait when's he coming when's dog? mr jeremy getting here <laughs> you see two little dog. heads pop up with the dog in the middle that's right man i really appreciate it this has been fantastic uh love that you were able to just come and, and share a little bit uh we'll have to do this again at uh, another point in time we'll, uh, we'll we'll share some more stories and uh kind of uh chat a little bit more but this has been fantastic I had a blast listening to Brent's conversation with Jeremy and could totally picture them sitting around a campfire sharing these stories. Thank you for joining us for episode three of Our Stories. We hope that you're enjoying the show. If you have a story to share, please reach out to me at education at online.com We'll be back next week with more stories to share. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you want to keep hearing more. Oh, and happy Recreational Therapy Month.